Well, again, a warm welcome to all of you. And I'm James, one of the pastors here at Kingswood, and we're so glad you're here at our 9 a.m. contemporary service. A warm welcome as we begin this new series, A Breath of Fresh Air, Doing a New Thing for God. And as we begin this series, uh, we thought it'd be a great time as we start a new school year and a kind of a new ministry year uh, to talk about what, what is God calling us to do that might be a new thing in our lives, not only together as the church, but in each of our lives and our faith and, and our journeys as we follow Jesus and in, in our personal lives, right? Where is God calling us to do a new thing? And, and, and so I'm just inviting you to be in prayer over these next three weeks about where is God leading us? Where is God leading you? Where is God leading your family? What is this new thing that maybe God is trying to do in our midst? And we just need to open ourselves uh, to what God is doing, this new thing. And the theme where we've been talking about is a breath of fresh air. And I don't know about you, um, it's always nice to step outside sometimes and take a deep breath and, and, and get a grasp of fresh air, right? You know, it, it sometimes helps clear our mind, helps us focus, helps us think about things differently. So I think this theme of just kind of opening ourselves to breathe deeply, and which in some ways is breathing in the Spirit and the Spirit's direction, it may call us to something amazingly new. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we, we come today after a very busy week. We've been working, we've been going to school, we've been um, dealing with things. Some of us are facing health issues. Some of us are dealing with relationship issues. Some of us are just trying to balance our lives as the kids go back to school. Uh, some of us are doing that better than others. We just confess it, amen. And so God, we, we just pray today as we come in this moment before you, We've already experienced the gift of our children and the receiving of your word. We've heard your word read and sung, and, and we just are opening ourselves in this moment, just taking a moment to take a deep breath and hear what you say to us today, where you're calling us, what new thing you're leading us to. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know you've always, many of us have been in places where we needed a breath of fresh air, right? I mean, some of us have been in meetings. You ever been in those meetings and, and uh, you're in a boardroom or you're in the conference room or, or you're on Zoom for several hours, amen? And, and things can be just boring sometimes, right? And sometimes they're tedious. And sometimes when we're in that meeting, uh, we, we, things get conflicted. People have different opinions. And I've always appreciated when I've been in committees where the, the chair will say, maybe we just need to take a breath go outside and get us some fresh air, you know? And that's true, right? I mean, going outside, taking a deep breath, uh, sometimes helps us to center and we kind of get outside and walk around and maybe we get a little perspective. I mean, those of you who are married or in relationship, uh, I, I'm sure it never happens to any of you, but I hear uh, that some people can get into deep arguments with their spouse, amen, or their partner, right? And um, they get into these arguments and, 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 and they really say, you know, maybe we just need to take a breath of fresh air, take a walk and come back. It gives us perspective, right? And sometimes um, we're faced with hard decisions about our health or our life. And, and I've gotten better about saying to a doctor or to a lawyer or to uh, whoever, can I just take a moment to go for a walk around the building. I started doing that more here now than ever before when I'm before the computer and just kind of overwhelmed or, or just tired, right? It's, it's just great 
to take a breath of fresh air. And, and I think that's why we treasure vacations, right? I mean, I love vacations in cities. Like, you know, I, I spent uh, uh, the last uh, six days on vacation in the most exotic place, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? And, um, but, and those are good things, right? Um, but what I appreciate, uh, last summer I went to Michigan. I was at a lake house on a, on a simple deck that overlooked a beautiful lake. And, and if any of you have ever done that, or it's the beach, or it's the mountains, or whatever it may be, just that moment helps us to take a deep breath of fresh air and get a new perspective, or at least take a break. And so I'm encouraging us to think over these next three weeks about what does it mean to take a breath, to breathe deeply for a moment and just say, God, what, what new thing are you calling me to do? Or maybe you just need to breathe and say, this has been a tough week, amen, or this has been a tough month, or for some of us, this has been a tough year, amen, right? And just to breathe deeply and to breathe in the Spirit and to be open to where God is leading. For the next three weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at stories of people that have taken a breath and their lives have changed. And maybe they've not literally breathed in something, uh, but they clearly have um, been open to some pretty radical transformation. Um, the theme verse for us is from Isaiah, the prophet in Hebrew scripture. And, you know, Isaiah was writing to the exiles as they were in Babylon and everything, the temple had been destroyed. And so they were like, what's left? Why go on? And maybe sometimes you do that. I'm a, uh, when I'm really tired and I'm not doing well, I'm one of these all is lost people, right? Yeah. Well, just forget it, right? Uh, and then I eat two Snickers bars as if that's going to help, right? So the two verses from Isaiah 43 are these. Do not remember the former things. He says that to the exiles. You need to release the past. Don't consider the things of old. One translation, let go of your past stories. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. And for some of us, that's a helpful word, right? To, to hear Isaiah's word, which was spoken Years and years and years ago, but it's still a word for us that in our most broken place or our most uncertain place or our place of whatever, right, when we feel like we're kind of at our end. And you think about the exiles. The temple's gone. They've been taken away from their homes. They're in a foreign land. They're, you know, they're being held against their will. Do you see what I'm saying? And they're probably like you and me. I just long for the past, right? I long for the time before the pandemic. Anybody, Right? But God says, James, do not remember the former things. Let go of the things of the past. I'm about to do a new thing. Can you perceive it? And that's an important question. Because if we're so caught up in the past, we can't see the new thing God is doing, right? We can't perceive what God is doing in the midst of all this change. But let's be honest. Change is hard, right? It's just hard. Anybody, you awake, right? Change is hard. I love the new screens, but when I walked in the first day, I was like, wait a second, right? Change is hard. And sometimes change has got some of our control, and for some of us, the change happening in our families, the change happening in our lives is out of our control, and it's hard to release the past and see the new thing that God's doing. And then the second story, which you heard so beautifully read, is from Acts. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to Turn to Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can get it on your phone. You can get it through our app, or you can use the red Bible in front of you. Uh, there are a couple of third-grade Bibles up here if you're really adventuresome. Um, 
But what I want you to do is hear the story of Saul. Now, a lot of us have heard the story. It's a pretty familiar story, but some of us may not know it. Saul, later he's renamed as Paul. That gets a little confusing. So Saul and Paul are the same person, okay, in the New Testament. There's a King Saul, but we won't go there. Amen, right? Okay. Saul is a Pharisee. He was raised in Tarsus. He's a Roman citizen. He's a powerful leader in Jerusalem. Uh, and he is very much against this what, the way. That's what they called the church early on. It was called the way. And he's very much against these folks proclaiming belief in Jesus. And so his decisions are to persecute, imprison, and punish anyone who proclaims Jesus as the Messiah. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's pretty serious, right? And when we first encounter him, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Stephen. Anybody heard of Stephen? Uh, yeah, Stephen was, a, was the first martyr of the church. So Stephen was a deacon, uh, and he was serving widows and the poor, but he was really a great preacher, and he was preaching one day earlier in the book of Acts, and um, people got upset with him because it was challenging them, and they didn't like what he had to say, and so they decided to stone him to death. Wow, that's hard, right? It's tough. And Saul held the coats and the cloaks of those who did the stoning. And then we learn later in the, in the book of Acts that he, in fact, encourages the persecution of the church, and he kind of leads this imprisonment and punishment, and, and he wreaks havoc on the church, and people scatter, right? So Saul's really a tough guy, and he has no regard for their lives. He wants them all in prison, and he sounds like a great church leader. Amen, right? I mean, if you're asking me in the nominations, leadership decision-making, should we consider Saul for a committee? I would say no, right? But God always has a different way, right? God's always choosing people that are unlikely. Moses and Deborah and all those different people that God calls are not always the best folks. And, and the reality is that's a gift because we're not always the best folks, right? But God is calling us, right? So here's the story, and if you're following along in Scripture... We're in chapter 9 of Acts. Acts is written by the same writer of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, Acts is kind of the early history book of the church. And in this story, which just follows this conversion of an Ethiopian eunuch on a road by Philip, uh, which is a beautiful conversion story, which we'll read next week, we now come to this story. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, remember we talked about that, men or women, he might bring them to Jerusalem. So Saul isn't just satisfied with, with dealing with these Christians in Jerusalem. Paul, Saul is not satisfied with his own small area. He gets the permission of the high priest at the temple to let him go to Damascus and wreak havoc there. Because in many ways, Christians have fled Jerusalem, and now they're in Damascus, which is in present-day Syria. And so the high priest grants that, and so he's on his way, he's on the road, he's on the tollway between Jerusalem and Damascus, and he's, he's traveling there to wreak havoc on the church and arrest all these folks and bring them back and put them in prison. He sounds like a lovely man, right? Amen, right? And now as he was going along in verse 3 and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. In one translation, it's a lightning bolt, right? 
don't know if you watched the North Carolina State-Notre Dame game, but it was interesting uh, to see that lightning bolt hit the scoreboard, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Big flash of light, right? And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, God is always calling people twice. You, you remember Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel. He's always these, these kind of intentional call of your name twice. So if you hear Evan, Evan, or, 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 or you know, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, or whatever, whatever, you know you're probably going to get called to something amazing, right? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, uh, who are you, Lord? Now, it's interesting. He's already acknowledging something about who this voice is by calling the voice Lord. Uh, but here he goes. And God replies and says, or Jesus replies and says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So uh, you talk about a radical shift, right? You're on your way to do this task. You're about to have all these people arrested. You're struck by a lightning bolt. You fall to the ground. A voice from heaven says that, I can't tell you all that's going to happen, but you're going to go to Damascus, and then you'll learn what to do. I don't know about for, for me as a planner, for me as a person who needs to know everything, this is a total nightmare, right? <laughs> the men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. And you've got to be honest. If you were traveling with somebody, they were struck by a bolt of lightning, they fell to the ground, and you hear this voice, but you see no one, it's going to be a different day. Amen? Right? Okay? Right. So Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So now, the one who was seeking all these people to imprison can't see his hand in front of his face. He could see nothing. So his friends led him by the hand. Can you imagine that? Led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. So it's interesting. Here's this powerful Pharisee named Saul of Tarsus, and he has the, uh, the certificate from the high priest to arrest all these people. He has all sorts of power. And within a moment, he has no power. He can't even travel on his own. He is so feeble and unable, he has to be led by his hand to Damascus. And I don't know about you. Anybody ever been in a place of that vulnerability where you are not in charge, where somebody has in charge of your moves and your decisions? It's hard, right? So I'm, I'm thinking about Saul. Despite all of his problems, what a, what a tough place to be in, right? And then he is so struck by this moment, he neither eats or drinks. He, just for three days, and you get the three days. That's a big thing in Scripture, right? For three days this happens. Now, in another part of Damascus, there was a disciple or a follower of Jesus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, and I love this, here I am, Lord. I mean, he just, there's no question. I mean, he just says, here I am, Lord. I'm ready for whatever you need. And maybe he thinks he's going to sing in a choir or, or work at the soup kitchen or help with the chicken dinner or be in charge of the ice cream truck. I mean, those all sound like fun things. So he says, here I am, Lord. And the Lord says, okay, here's what I've got for you. Get up and go to the street called Straight. That was the name of the street. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. That's a little different than helping out with the auction. Amen, right? Right? 
It's a totally different thing. Here's Ananias. Here I am, Lord. I'll do whatever you say. Okay, I want you to go and visit the largest and most powerful persecutor of the church ever, right? Think about the person who drives you the greatest nuts, right? Or think about the person who creates the most pain for you, and Jesus says, uh, you need to go there, right? And I love Ananias' answer. Lord, I, I've heard many things about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all of us who invoke your name. And, and that's fair, right? I mean, I'm, I'm open, God, but this guy's really tough, right? This is really hard, right? But the Lord says to Ananias, go. He doesn't even, he doesn't say, yeah, Ananias, I get it. I'm sorry it's hot, tough, but, you know, I, I like a little couching, you know, right? But God doesn't do that. Go, for he is an instrument who I've chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. That word instrument, the Greek word really is vessel. He's my container. He's my vessel. I'm going to pour the gospel within him, and then he's going to share that with Gentiles and kings and leaders and the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So here's this person of power who's now an instrument of Jesus, a vessel of the gospel, and suffering's a part of the recipe. So Ananias went. I love him. I don't know if I could have. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul. Now that's interesting, right? Hear that again. He says, Brother Saul. Here's the enemy of the church. And Ananias sees what Jesus is doing and he makes him family in his first greeting. Brother Saul. Think about your worst enemy. and Would you ever call them brother or sister? I mean, that's how powerful this is. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. And then he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So it's interesting. Ananias comes in, he befriends him, he invites him into family, and then he lays hands on him and heals him. And through him, Jesus removes those scales so that he can now see. And then he eats... And he's baptized, right? And, and in many ways, uh, he receives baptism, and then he has a meal. And some folks believe that meal included Holy Communion, right? That maybe this was the Lord's Supper, that all in this fell swoop, the very persecutor of the church became part of the church and a follower of Jesus. And then for several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus and immediately began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the Son of God. What's interesting is, They'll, the folks who sent him there will immediately turn against him. They'll try to kill him. And he'll have to escape in a basket out of Damascus uh, to be safe. And then Saul will later become Paul. And his whole journey will be one of boldness, but also confrontation. Uh, sharing the good news, but also being imprisoned, right? I mean, his, his whole life changes in the midst of this new thing, Right? So aren't you excited about doing a new thing, right? I think what I love about this story is there's several things. There's the profound discipleship of the conversion of Saul, right? And, and there's some folks in the world, and you may be some of those, that when you come to Jesus, it's a radical shift of your life, right? And so you are on this path, and then God sends you down a totally different path, right? 
And then there are people like Ananias who's, who've been quietly following Jesus, are open to say, here I am. I, we don't know his story. He has a major role in this moment. We never hear from him again. But his, his moment, his call, his act for Jesus changes the world, right? I like that. I don't have to be Saul. I can be Ananias, right? And it was all these new things that are happening. Ananias is called to a new thing. He's called to take this very enemy of the church and offer him blessing. Saul is invited to go in a totally different direction and, and radically change his life. And so what is God calling you and me to do in this moment? What is the new thing? Is it like Ananias to share a good word to someone we've never encountered? Is it Paul opening ourselves to major transformation? What is God doing in our very midst? Several years ago, I was on a mission trip in South Dakota, and uh, we were at Tree of Life Ministries. And one of the things we were doing is we did a sweat lodge. Anybody ever done a sweat lodge? Uh, it, it seems like nobody has, right? So, all right. <laughs> So it's a part of Native American experience, and we were invited into that. It was me and a bunch of kids and other adult sponsors, and men went first, and the women, or I forget how the order was. And uh, you're in this uh, very interesting uh, tent for prayer, and uh, it's totally dark, and um, they heat up rocks for two days, and then you go in and sit cross-legged in two rows in a circle, and then you just take time to pray and sweat. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Amen, right? So if you know me, I don't like to sweat, I don't like heat, and I'm claustrophobic. So it was a recipe for a nightmare, right? And, uh, and so the, the chief at the time said, this will be a wonderful time for you to pray for God. We're going to really love this. And so he said, let's fall in. And, and in some ways, I thought as I looked at it, there would be at least benches, but there weren't. We sat directly on the ground. And of course, I got seated right by the fire against the canvas at the very back, right? And there was a safe word we could offer if we felt like we were going to need to get out, which I felt immediately as soon as the flap closed, right? But, you know, I'm the pastor and I'm the youth worker, and so I'm like, i got to hang in here. But I know one of these kids is going to crack. I just know it's going to happen, right? Uh, somebody's going to crack, and then I'll say, i got to go help them, right? But you know how God is, right? Not one of those kids cracked. <laughs> In fact, they prayed, they sang. I'm like, who are these people, right? And I'm just sweating and I'm feeling claustrophobic. I can't see my hand. You know what I'm saying? And it was, I finally just had to say, God, I, I can't do this. Please make one of these kids crack. Please, I beg you. Right? <laughs> and God said, no, we're not cracking. There's something going on here. There's something happening here. And you need to live in it. And I did. I didn't have a major revelation. But I had a deep sense of what it means to be helpless. And it really taught me that I can't do this by myself. And frankly, I think you know this, you can't either. God is calling each of us into this new thing. We're called together as the church and when that hour and 20 minutes was over and the flap went up and I went out onto the prairie of South Dakota, it was the most beautiful breath of fresh air I ever had in my life. I drank from the hose like I had never drunk water before. But there was a sense 
of joy, right? There was a sense of appreciation. There was a deep sense of gratitude. I mean, I literally, I, I'm, I'm just being honest. I saw God's creation in a way I had never seen it before. What is the new thing God is calling you to? What is the former thing you need to release? What is the thing that is done and you can't let it go, but you've got to, to be able to move into this new thing? What breath of fresh air do you need to take? What walk around the building do you need to walk? What moment do you need to just receive so that you're open to the new thing? The new thing for your life? The new thing for your faith? And what is the new thing for us? To live into this new ministry of two campuses, one church, this is tough. We're going to have to let go of some things, right? Things that aren't working, things that have served their purpose, things that are toward the end of their life, right? And it's hard because I'm a, I'm a traditional kind of guy. I like to hold on to everything, right? But God is saying what God said to me in that sweaty, dark, hot sweat lodge. You've got to face the reality. I'm doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing with you and with me. Be open to it. Breathe deeply. Breathe again. It's a breath of fresh air.